All right, let's go. Let's get me I just little hallelujah. Matthew 25, verse 1. I'm going to read to you just shortly. I'm going to be done. Y'all don't even have that clock up. Oh, it's on the bottom. Look at you. That's what's bad when you got a son-in-law that can work all that stuff, and he can put the time right on the bottom of the screen up there. So, amen. Matthew 25, verse 1. I want to talk to you about the parable of the ten virgins, the wise and the foolish virgin, virgins. Or versions, either way, that's about the same. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. It is important to understand the first part of Scripture. This, it says, this will be likened unto the kingdom of heaven. The parable you're fixing to read gives you some parallels. It's telling you this is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. This is what it's going to be like. Not the actual when you get into heaven. This parable is talking about how you get into heaven. Okay, so when it says the, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto, and it tells you a story, you need to pay close attention to every detail of Scripture because there's important information in that, in that passage. Okay, so then it says, <clears throat> I'll finish the last part, I want to reread it. It says, and the, they took their lamps, these ten virgins, and they took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, customarily in the Jewish tradition, Ten was the number in the bridal party. That's just a, that's no, no uh, reason why God chose ten other than that's a customary number of ten, okay? So there's ten virgins. Understand, they're just alike. They're virgins. They're all pure. They're, vir- they're of the bridal party. This is a metaphor of us as a church being, being the bride and him being the groom, okay? So that's where we're going with this. So there's everyone is a virgin. Everyone, in other words, uh, loves Jesus. Everybody's been blood-bought, born again, okay? Now watch. <clears throat> it says, number two, in the verse 2, Now five of them were wise and five were foolish, Man, that kind of stings right off the bat. Second, second verse, he says there's two groups of people in the church. There's some wise ones and there's foolish ones. The kingdom of heaven will be likened unto this. There's going to be some people that's going to be wise about the kingdom business and there's going to be some going to be foolish. Verse 3. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. I'm just, I'm going like I do on a Wednesday. I'm just teaching you because I don't have a lot of time. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Here's what happened. They made no provision for beyond today. It was all about today. Let me put it this way. They made no provision beyond themselves. This message may sting just a touch. They made no provisions other than for me and mine. They didn't look forward. They weren't kingdom-minded. They they had an appearance, but they weren't kingdom-minded. They were about us, me, mine. Verse 4, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. I like this because when the wise went, they they had their lamps. Everyone had lamps. But some made provisions for long term. Our provision a lot of times in church is long term. If I I get upset or I get offended, I'm leaving. So I don't don't want to take no oil. I don't want to be connected. 
I'm talking about to the body of Christ. I'm not talking about a specific church here. I get offended, so I don't like God anymore. He didn't heal my mama. He didn't do this. He didn't do this. Well, I'm still hurt. This happened to me. What, what happened? Well, you live in a fallen world. Yeah. Problem is, it's easy to blame God. Mm-hmm. Shout me now. But the wise took oil in their vessels. Listen to me. But the wise took oil in their vessels. Oil represents the Holy Ghost in the Bible. You read it over and over. It represents the Spirit of God. That's what oil represents. Here's the problem. I think we come in and we, we, we get saved and we just say, well, that's good enough for me. What about that oil? What about that provision for tomorrow? What about that Holy Spirit that'll, that'll, that'll cause you to love your neighbor when you don't want to love them? When they're blowing grass on your yard or on your driveway, and you want to blow it back. What about that? What about the Holy Spirit that draws you to love? The, the one, here's a good one. What about that Holy Spirit that says, to tell, when he tells you to pray for your enemies? Those that despitefully use you to love on them. I don't like that one. I don't like that. Do you know what they've done to me? Probably not. Does it matter? Does to our flesh. Okay, let me move on. Verse 5. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Now, so far, the only difference between the two is one's, one's deemed foolish and one's deemed wise. That's the only difference so far. They were all ten virgins. They started the same. God all had lamps. All had a certain amount of oil in the lamps for sure. And they all went to sleep. They all took some rest, a time of respite. That's okay. See, they, they're doing the same thing. The only thing is that in Scripture, if we took out verse 2, verse 2 says, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. If we took that out, you wouldn't know that there's any difference so far, would you? Watch this. I'm going somewhere. In verse 6, it says, and at midnight a cry was heard, and behold, the bridegroom is coming out, uh, is coming, go out to meet him. Now, in the Jewish tradition of, of wedding parties, there was three things that happened. Number one, there was an engagement. Now, we don't like this, Jessica, in this day and time, but here's what happened in the engagement. Uh, your, your daddy and, and Andrew's daddy would get together and say, I want these kids to be married. That was the engagement. You didn't get an option. It's just it's what you do. So you got engaged. And then there was the betrothal where which means it's a kind of a formal, if you will, um, it's a formal time of, 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 of saying, I'm going to be pledged to you, okay? So they'd have a little ceremony. It wasn't wedding. So they would be betrothed to one another. Remember, Mary and Joseph, Joseph, Mary was betrothed to each other. Remember? Remember that? See, they, they, had, they had already been set up. Now they're in the second phase. Now the third phase is the wedding. Now here's typically... Uh, why uh, you, you wait, well, we get this biblically, why you wait a little while, you get engaged and you wait a little while to get married. Uh, it's because it's usually about a year. So from the time that the, the betrothal happened, about a year or so, then, then the groom would go back to his place and he would fix up his home, his stuff. He's leaving mom, mom dad, whatever, and he would fix up a place for him and his bride to come back to. So during that year, that's what he was busy, getting stuff ready. You're going to follow me here. The Bible says, if I go away, I'll prepare a place for you. 
that where I am, you can be also. Now, you're not, you're not, you're not forced to be there. Come on, this is, he won't break your free will. You're not forced to be there. So, this, so during, when they'd get everything set up, then this groom would go, sometimes miles, to get to fetch, if you will, the bride. But during this year, the bride, this bridal party, there was always, speaking of the virgin, always someone watching to see if the groom, when it came, so that we could be, they would be ready. And so the Bible speaks about that this groom would be coming. And it says in, we'll read verse 6 again, and it says, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Now see, the first part of the story, what's significant about it, it was night. Probably they had not just oil in their lamps, but it was probably a torch-type system. And they put oil on this to keep it burning, on some type of wrap, some type of cloth, or something that would burn for a long period of time. And so they, every night they were watching and waiting. Every night till the groom came. Every night. Did you? Every day. When you're at work in the market, every moment you're looking for opportunities for the Lord to come. And if he's not coming, you need to be looking for opportunities to show people Jesus is here in front of them. In the form of me and you. That we stand in front of someone and we present Jesus. So during this time, uh, this, this groom would come. And, and this, at this moment, there was a cry. It went out at midnight. That's what the Bible says. At midnight, there was a cry that went out. Hey, the groom is here. So guess what happened? They were all resting, but they were on guard. They were ready. And so what do they do? These ten virgins, they all jump up. And they go out to meet him. And as soon as they wake up, five foolish virgins said this. Hey, uh, I know you've been, you've been in the Holy Ghost. You've been reading your Bible and studying and praying and stuff. Hey, I'm going to need what you got. Give me some of your oil. What did I say? Well, oil represents the Holy Spirit. Give me some of what you got. That's why it's so difficult for people to walk through life. And they want you to do it for them. They want you to pray them through it. They want you to bless them through it. They want you to do it. Well, why don't you do it for yourself? You, get the same, you got the opportunity to get the same oil I got. A few weeks ago, we were out here, a, a couple months ago now, we were working on a little gate out here. My back was hurting. Oh, my Lord. I mean, you remember, was it? Would you, I couldn't. Oh, it's just terrible. And I remember I said, well, I'm going to go get some rocks over it in Greenville and get some gravel. And so I got in my truck, and my back was just, oh, uh, Miss Joanne, I'm telling you, it was, it was in pain. And I said, Lord, what in the world? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but said, well, won't you lay your hands on your own self? I just want to tell you something. You ain't got to lay your hand on somebody with your palm. You can get it on the backside, too. I began to hurt. You, you, you were there. Ethan was there. And all I could do was get my hand in between my seat and my back. And I began to pray, Lord, I need, I need some respite from this. I need to be healed. time I got back in Greenville, I was out of the truck walking around doing well. See, I got my own oil. I don't really need to dip into yours all the time. 
There may be times I need you to come alongside me and help me carry a little burden from time to time. But I'm here to tell you, you got oil. You need to be wise. The Bible says if you don't have your own oil, guess what? You're foolish. Now, I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. So if you're going to be upset and mad, you've got to get upset and mad with God. You, we need to be walking in our own oil, dipping from our own oil barrel. Come on. Now, I'm not saying don't call upon people to pray for them. So, so what happened is that at midnight, these ten jump up and they go out. And then those other five in verse 7 says, uh, let me read verse 7 first. Then all, how many? All, all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And, and the foolish said to the wise, here's that two groups of people. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. I don't know about you, but um, as far back as I can remember, when something was running out, you knew it. Uh, if I was driving a car or a pickup, they got this thing, a gauge. Yeah. And it'll tell you when you're full, and it'll tell you when you're getting on empty. It, it just, it doesn't happen like that. It just takes your time. <laughs> and then... You're mad because you're in between point A and point B where there's no service station and you're just mad because you ran out of gas. Here's typically what happens. We call our spouse and say, why didn't you put gas in the vehicle? You drove it last. Now, n never mind you've been driving for the last 75 miles. You think it just ran out automatically, just that quick. I want to tell you something. Do you know you have a spiritual meter in you you know when you're running out of gas you understand what I'm saying you know when you're getting on empty you know when you hadn't prayed and sought the Lord you know when you hadn't read your Bible it's that little crazy feeling on the inside say what is wrong with me I'm just irritable I'm just itchy I'm just ugh. say yucky feeling you're getting low on gas you're getting low on oil the Holy Ghost it's time for you to refill. You need to go to a service station. Fill up. You know where your service station is? It's the Word of God. Come on. You come to church. Amen. That's blessings. But you can get full in the, in the Holy Ghost in the Word. Let me move on because I know you're wanting to go eat. Verse 9. But the wise answered saying, No, lest, lest there should not be enough for us. And you. We're living in a day where you need yours and I need mine. To collectively, we can do great things. Amen. It says, no, unless there not be enough for, for you and us, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Boy, I could preach a whole message right there. If this is likened unto the kingdom of heaven, you know what he's saying? There's some people that are not going to prepare for tomorrow, for the future, and they're going to want what you got. There's some, in spiritual terms I'm speaking, spiritually, guess what? There's going to be people that envy you and are jealous of you and your walk with the Lord because you spend time with the Lord and you're anointed to do the things and they, they want what you got. Now tell this story. It was a story of a older preacher and a younger preacher. The older preacher had been at this church for years and years and years and he had built this church and done great and worked hard and had a good team around him and done great. And one of the young ministers come along and said, you know, 
I think I can do what you do. The older minister said, you probably can. But the real question is, can you do what I did to get us where we are so you can do what I do? There's a big difference. See, the young minister was wanting to borrow off the old minister's oil and off of him, but didn't want to do anything for himself. He just wanted to step on the scene where somebody else had done the work. Woo! Mm. And while, verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. I'll read it again so it'll saturate your spirit and hopefully your intellectual theology. I said intellectual theology. And hopefully we'll get that over into your spiritual theology, the correct one. And while they went to buy, here's where they separated. They went to buy. They separated themselves, watch, from the ten virgins. They separated because they weren't ready. They had to go do some other things to get ready. They didn't have but a year. Some of you have been waiting on God to call you something to do, uh, tell you what to do for the last 40 years, 20 years. Whether I'm just waiting on the Lord to tell me what my calling is. Well, it's real simple. You get saved, you win souls. When you got married, nobody had to tell you how to reproduce. It was a natural thing. You wanted to. Come on, are we not supposed to be reproducers of the kingdom of God? Come on, we shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to pray and seek the Lord. What should I do? What should I do? Well, if you don't, if, you, I'm, if you're talking about a pulpit ministry or teaching, guess what? Just get busy winning souls. There's plenty of room in this church. I'm sure others, there's plenty of room. We got seats. If not, we'll build another building. Oh, Lord, help me. And while they were, well, they went to buy, and while they went to buy, and while they went to prepare, and while they weren't ready, but they went over to do something, the bridegroom came. He showed up and said, where's my bride? I came for her. Y'all know that this was going to happen. We got engaged, and we were betrothed, and you knew it was coming. You knew it was something about right now, but you weren't ready. You know, one of the things that really irritates me to the high heavens, and that's the third or fourth heaven, if they're tenth, I don't know how many heavens there are, but it, way up there. One of the things that irritates me is when we ain't prepared. Is that right, Jason? Yep. Just sends me through the roof. Preparedness. I had all night to get prepared for tomorrow. And to not be prepared, what was we doing? Oh, watching TV, a Western, sleeping, doing something. You know, the Bible wants you to be prepared. The Bible wants you to be, be prepared for tomorrow what might come. I'm going to hurry. It's 12.04. i got to hurry. I'm going to hurry. I promise. I didn't mean to keep you this long. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Listen to who came. 
The other virgins, the other, the, the, the other five, the five that was there, there's five that's not there. And they showed up. Five's already went in. If this is like unto the heaven, we read the same story of Noah. Matter of fact, if you do any kind of research and commentary, it's going to take you to the book of Noah. I mean, it's going to take you to the book of Noah. The story of Noah. It'll take you there. By the way, if you're new in the, in the Lord, there is no book of Noah. <laughs> there's a story about Noah, but no book. Okay, And, and so... It'll take you to that. It's going to lead you to there. You know what it's saying? There is a separation. If you ain't ready, you ain't going. If you're not ready, you're not getting in. This is what the heaven, heaven, kingdom of heaven is going to like. They started out this way. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. Why? Because they weren't prepared. Now, we can have a theological debate. Of, well, well, they wasn't really saved. Okay. They didn't make it. Well, they were saved and they fell apart, fell away. Okay. Well, what about eternal security? I'm just telling you, the Bible says they didn't make it. The door was shut. They didn't make it. Lord, Lord. Now read the next verse. But he answered and said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. If I don't know you, you're not coming in my house. Stranger shows up. David, stranger shows up in my house, knocks on my door, and, and, and says, can I come in? I said, I, I don't know you i got some valuable possessions in my house called grandkids and wife. I don't know who you are. I don't want you tainting them. I don't want, I don't, you, you may be a, a serial killer for all of them. I don't know. You're not coming in. Why? Because I don't know you. But anybody in this church comes to my house, knocks on the door. I'm, not gonna, I'm probably not going to give you the courtesy to get up off my couch. I'm going to say, come on in. Not because I'm being rude. I just know you. I know you well enough to invite you in by the way, but come on in. Right? What happened here, church? They all started the same. I'm going to say a few things and I'll quit. Verse 13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You've got to be prepared. I'm not so sure that some little anti-panty prayer when you were seven and you, you've been doing everything in the world for the last 50 years is going to get you in. That is not popular preaching in today's world because everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody loves the Lord if you talk to them in, in the circles. Oh, hey, I'm a Christian. Oh, he was a Christian. Died. Everybody that died that I know, everybody that died is a Christian. You ever notice that? You guys, pastor, anybody, you go, oh, they were a Christian. They were a Christian. Okay, I'll take your word for it, but you know, I've never somebody said, you know, they're going to hell. They went straight to hell. I just know it. I've never had anybody tell me that. <laughs> I'm afraid. Well, let me move on. Have we become Christians in name only? Have we become Christians in name only? Well, I'd like to present to you, I believe so. Look at just, just America. We call ourselves Christians. Christianity has fallen like a rock, like a lead balloon, as my dad used to say. It's just falling, falling. The attendant, church attendance, the, the millennials, the Gen Zs, the Gen whatever they are, I don't know, them, them young kids. They don't even know God. What's happened? Are we just Christians in name only? 
We got people that say, I'm a Christian and, 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 and attend church. I'm a Christian and never talk to their kid, never have prayed with their kid. Never tell them many Bible, very few Bible stories. I don't know if you know this, but parents of young people, let me just throw something at you real quick, okay? Hang on. Do you know when we teach your kids upstairs, we can tell within the first three or four minutes whether you're doing anything with them at home or not? You know, they say that if you listen to somebody talk long enough, you'll figure out where their heart is. Did you know it's no different than a child with a child? Give me five minutes with your child, and I can tell you whether, whether you're talking to them about Jesus or not. It's not that I have some gift. You can do it too. Come on, I love you. One of the great theologians and commentators said it this way about this passage of verse. His name was, uh, I don't know the first name, they always just use the last, but France was this, this guy's last name. He says, it is a warning addressed specifically to those inside the professing church who are not to assume that their future is unconditionally assured. All ten are expected to be at the feast. He expected, this groom expected all ten to be at the feast. Jesus expects every one of us to be at the feast. We're not going to. Not everybody's going to be there, but he expects that. It is his will that everyone be saved. It says, they expect to be at the feast, and until the moment comes, there is no apparent difference between them. There's no difference between the virgins other than you were told about that one, some was wise and some were foolish. There's no apparent difference until the moment comes of readiness. Then we find out who's ready and who's not. And he says, this Commentator and theologian goes on to say, until the moment comes, there is no apparent difference between them. It is the crisis which will divide the ready from the unready. The point of this parable is simply to be ready. Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Because the price for failing to be ready is too high. You don't want to try to pay the price for not being ready when the Lord returns. And there is nothing left in Scripture for him, holding him back for his return. There's no prophetic thing whatsoever that has to happen. He could come right now and say, well, I've heard that for years, Pastor. Amen. Yeah. Guess what? If he don't come, I pray that there's preachers that will keep telling you for the next several years. But you better be ready in case he does come. Here's another thing. You don't know when you're going to die. This can be applied to that to the end of your life. You've got to be ready. You've got to know that you know down in your knower that you know that you're going to heaven. That you're a blood-bought child of the king. This is not some surface thing. This is not just something that, that you go do in, in, in an act of, well, because mama wanted me to come down or grandma wanted me to come to church and I, and, I, and I said a little prayer and I lived like a heathen. good friend of mine said this once. I don't know if they ever got saved. You say, Pastor, you're walking on a thin line being judgmental. Well, if there was never no change, you, you figure out whether they were wise or foolish. 
I'm just telling you what the, wise, what the Bible says, that the wise entered in and the foolish didn't. And if this is likened to the kingdom of heaven, guess what? Foolish people that don't do anything, that are, that are, not a, that, that are just walking through this thing, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out right here real quick. When you get saved, there ought to be something that rises up in you that says, I want to be a servant of the Lord. When you get saved, it may take you a little bit, but there needs to be something inside you that says, I'm going to stop doing some things I used to do. When you get saved, I'm not saying you're set free from every little old thing. You can be because Jesus' blood is sufficient of that, but sometimes we got to deal with the flesh. Your spirit's saved, they ain't going to get any more saved. You don't get more saved. You get sanctified in the flesh. The Bible says in the Colossians, you got to put off some stuff and put on some stuff. That's what you do. Church, we've been preached that everybody's going to get to go to heaven. Everybody's in. Oh, you come to church three times, you got your role, your name on a roll membership somewhere. Oh, you're in. You said a prayer somewhere. Yeah, you're in. Church, that might be the case. It just might be the case. And if I'm wrong, I hadn't lost anything, and neither have you. But if I don't preach it to you this way, if I preach unconditional everything you want to do, unconditional grace beyond all that stuff, I'm wrong. And if you go to hell, that is on me. That part would be on my hands. So you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you need to, before you read God's Word, you need to get in God's Word and say, Lord, I want you to reveal this to me. I've heard this famous preacher say it this way, so it must be true. Watch this. I even read the commentary on it, so it must be true. Let me tell you something. I love commentary. I read a bunch of them, but commentary is not the gospel. Commentary is another man's opinion about what the Bible says, okay? So you need to get revelation. Lord, reveal this to me. What does it say to me? How do I need to understand and interpret this scripture? When you get there, you're good. But if you depend on what somebody says, I, 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 that's the negative thing about TV preachers today. Is everybody, if they got a big crowd, they think, well, they must be right. They must be doing something right. They got 30,000 people, got 10,000 people going there. They must be doing something right. They're on television. They got to be doing something right. Why? We can go to a concert in Little Rock with the most heathenistic country group or rock band and feel the place. That don't mean they're right. That just means they got some talent and they can draw people to them. Church, it's time that we understand that this word, we better take it serious. Because if we don't take it serious, he's going to shut a door. I'll say one more thing and I'll quit. You can hang out at the church. You can hang out with other Christians. You can dress like them. You can look like them. And even say you're a Christian. But if you ain't ready, when Christ comes, you can't be. You won't be his bride. I knew you'd love this message. I'm sorry that I didn't build you up, powder your hind end, and send you out for another week and let the devil defeat you. I want you to go to heaven. That's what I want. I want you to go to heaven. I want everybody in here to go to heaven. That is my goal. You say, Pastor, that's a little bit, that's a little bit tough. Okay, good. 
Because if you think it's here, then you'll hit it right by here. Let's just be ready. Search your heart is what I'm asking you. Search your heart. Are you ready? If there's a question, are you going to play with that? Would you really play with the idea of eternity in hell? If you're okay with that, hear me loud and clear, and I love you as much as I can love anybody other than my own family. I love you. Balcony, I love you. But if you're okay with that, may I suggest to you that you're one of the foolish virgins? Eternity is forever. I said eternity is forever. See, we look at this thing that we're in a physical and we're having a spiritual experience. Absolutely incorrect. You are a spiritual being that will live forever and you're just having a fleshly experience for 70 or 80 years. Hear what I said? You, you, you're, not ha you're not a flesh having spiritual experiences. You are a spirit that's having a 80, 70, 80, 90 year fleshly experience. And somehow we put all of our eggs in this fleshly basket and say, well, this is it. This is where it's at. No, no, it's not. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is knowing him and loving him and serving him. That's where it's at. Amen. I love you. Hope you come back next week. But if you don't, you got the truth today. Amen. 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 Will you stand with me? Let me bless you before we leave.